Welcome to No Small Jobs, the podcast, where we explore different careers, how people got there, and uh, what their motivations were. I am your host, Paul Newen. Welcome to another episode. Um, today, we have a very special guest, uh, but before we do that, uh, just as a reminder to everyone, if you like what you're hearing, please make sure you rate and review uh, wherever you get good, your good podcasts. Please subscribe as well, because um, we could use the downloads. The more you download, the more popular we get, and the more people hear us. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Snow Small Jobs Pod. Make sure you add the pod bit because I don't want to be confused with an employment agency. Um, we have photos and updates regularly, uh, and there's also a website, nosmalljobspod.com.au, which has uh, reflections and updates and all kinds of bonus information. So, today, my guest is Sam. Sam is a primary school teacher and a year-level coordinator. Hi, Sam. Hello. How are you? <laughs> Good. Thanks for coming on to the show. Well, thank you for having me. All right. So, um, let's start with the question, what is a year-level coordinator? Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you for inviting me. It's been um, lovely just having uh, a think about or opportunity to reflect on my job um, and uh, how I'm finding it. Um, as a year level coordinator, I um, there's a I guess there's two parts to it. So um, I'm a classroom teacher. And so the first part of that would be to educate my students um, and focus on their academic side, um, but also to um, look after their social and emotional well-being. Um, but as a year-level coordinator, I have to ensure that um, the curriculum that we deliver is um, consistent through um, the five classes um, so that each child or um, each family is guaranteed that they get the, the same quality education. So so, yeah. so a lot of your job sounds like it would be um, uh, sort of regulating, regulation essentially. So quality, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> uh, quality verification? No, there's a better word for that. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, so part of it would be to make sure that the – um, the content is consistent um, and then we talk about it as in like minimising, you know, differences between classes. Um, and then the other part is also to be um, a, a good support to those teachers in the other grades because, you know, there's always a graduate um, that's there. So they might have questions about how to best support a student um, who might have, be having some learning difficulties or um, might be family concerns. Um, and my job is to help them know what to do next so a bit okay. of a problem solver sometimes I like to think of it that way yeah and look that's obviously a very important uh, role in education because education doesn't always go smoothly so someone has to be responsible for it and it sounds like so that's true. you <laughs> that is so true so I, I guess i'm not quite sure how, which mm. uh, how to do this chronologically or not let's um let's go or let's go right right back what brought you to teaching in the first place hmm well, my mum is a Montessori teacher, so I've always had that influence um, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, she's, you know, shared many stories growing up about how much she really enjoyed um, being a teacher herself um, and uh, I think that I got to a point in time where I was, you know, you're supposed to know, I guess, by the time you're 18, what job that you're supposed to have and there's all that pressure about um, what you have to become um, and being part Chinese, 
hope mm-hmm. you don't mind what <laughs> saying. But there was a lot of pressure. Oh, you've got to be a doctor or you've got to do science. Um, uh, and I felt that pressure personally myself. Um, that's part of my cultural background, I guess. I, I think that's pretty universal amongst Asian people yes. in general. So so for the <laughs> listeners who, who don't look at it, don't see me, I'm Vietnamese. So yes, I very much yes. understand that. I um I, I grew uh, as I told you, I grew up uh, the son of two doctors. So yep. really, for, uh, you know, you you may have experienced pressure. I don't didn't so much pre- have pressure as it was um, certainty. As in, there was oh, it wasn't yeah. that I should should do science. Is that I will do science, and that is yes. all. <laughs> Yes, yes, I I feel you. Um, and being the eldest in my family too, um, it was it was tricky for me to break that. Um, I guess that notion for my parents that I wasn't going to be a doctor. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, you know, teaching is also highly regarded to Asians as well. So True. when my parents, um, when I first told them that I wanted to be a teacher, my parents just wanted to make sure that if that was right for me. So they recommended that I volunteer at a school. Um, and when I finished high school, I thought that I wanted to be a Japanese teacher. Oh. So I actually started at RMIT learning Japanese and I thought I wanted to teach adults. Wow. So very different. Yeah. Um, but after I had completed the year, not only did my Japanese not improve greatly. <laughs> 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 so that was a telltale sign. Um, but I ended up volunteering um, at a local school. And I, I loved it. I just loved it. And I really felt like um, that's when I knew that teaching was um, what I wanted to do. So, What was it about yeah. the, that volunteer experience that, that inspired you to become a primary school teacher? Um, well, I really enjoyed the, the teaching aspect. So I loved the fact that I could impart new knowledge to um, a child and I loved that you could um, share in, you know, an aha moment with a kid. And also I feel like when you have children in your life, you get to experience life again. And so when you, like when a kid holds a puppy for the first time or um, they get to ride on a bus, there's just that m- moment of magic where they, I don't know, they just, they love life for that moment. And you get to share in that. And I love that. I think that's really exciting for me. So, yeah. And then the more that I am a teacher, the more that I um, can appreciate my role, I guess, in in being the person who gets to teach them something new. So, so what's yeah. involved in training to become a primary school teacher? Uh, a lot of hard work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you've got to go to uni. So I did a Bachelor of Early Childhood um, and I am I loved doing that because I got to, As a, I, it's funny, I did a Bachelor of Early Childhood, but I'm in primary school teaching. So a lot of um, early childhood educators end up in kindergarten. I see, right. So for me, um, I felt like I love doing early childhood because I know where the kids are coming from. So um, you do four years of uni and I was lucky enough to um, go to a uni where we did placement from the get-go. So I know that there are some universities where they don't get to start their placement until second year. Um, but I like the fact that we got to start, you know, um, semester one, do a placement. And that's when I could, it was reaffirmed to me, yep, I'm on the right course, <laughs> which was great. Mm-hmm. Um and then it's nice being on the other side now where I can have student teachers in my room too um, and get to share in their first experience in the classroom. 
as well. Are there are there any particular things that you try to make sure each of them learn at the end of their placement? Yeah, like the reality of teaching, maybe. <laughs> you, do you want to tell us more <laughs> yeah. about that? So I love being a teacher. Um, I do. I love it. Um, but there's a lot of hard work. And I really feel like, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, you can read about in the, the newspaper. There's always a teacher saying that teaching's tough or, you know, we don't get paid enough or um, the hours are too long. And I think that they are right, <laughs> sadly. Um, you know, I love my job, but the work-life balance is, um, well, maybe I personally believe that the work-life balance isn't there. And I think that's a struggle. And look, yeah. that's certainly a consistent belief across uh, education mm. in general. I, I, you know, even um, beyond primary school teaching, I think mm. universally it's accepted. But maybe uh, if, if you could tell us what a typical day or a typical week would look like for you, it might illustrate better, like just, just how difficult it is to be a teacher. Um, okay, so uh, you'd probably arrive at between 7.30 and 8 o'clock at work. Um, and, you know, you've got to set up for the day. Um, you've got some admin, so you've got to answer your emails and, um, you know, then you've got to, um, you know, you teach, the kids arrive, you might be teaching. I rarely, I do get a lunch break, so <laughs> the union will be happy. Um, <laughs> I work in a beautiful school and the kids are gorgeous. I'm really lucky that the, um, the community itself is really supportive too. Um, but once I finish um, teaching and the kids have gone home, then it's the planning. So the, the paperwork that goes behind the actual teaching is where the time, um, I guess, is um, put. So there's a lot of documentation that has to go with um, the lessons itself. So um, I guess, you know, being experienced and I understand why you need the, the paperwork, but you know, sometimes you might write up like a four-page um, planner, which I could probably write up in maybe half a page in a few dot points. <laughs> but it's all got to be there. So, yeah, sometimes it's a matter of just checking some boxes. And so, so. realistically, outside of school hours, how many hours a day would you do of extra, like not an extra work, mm-hmm. but work to fulfill your role as a teacher? Yeah. So a little bit tricky for me to answer that only because I'm um, – I'm a transition coordinator and I'm coordinator, so level coordinator and the um could work for another two or three hours when I get home. Um, yeah, so I am look, I am a bit of a perfectionist, so I do like to get the job job done right. Which is what right we'd like now. to see in an so. educator. I think that's a, that's a really valuable quality. Yes. So, you know, on behalf yeah. of parents everywhere, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for appreciating me. Um, so, I guess that leads into nicely mm. the idea of misconceptions. Yes. So, yeah. there is certainly some misconception about the idea of teachers, you know, getting school holidays off and mm. only working during school hours. And, yeah. and certainly, and, and while, of course, I don't expect you to tell me exactly mm. how much you earn do you get paid for the extra work or do you just get paid for the school hours that you work well we do have paid holidays so i'm very grateful um uh but the extra work that i do during the week we don't so i find that 
you know, as much as we do have the holidays to rest um, and some of that holidays is purely rest and I have to say that it is just a holiday, there is um, a lot of teachers do spend, you know, at least a portion of that holiday working. So to yeah. do what? Again, planning um, and preparing for, you know, we've also got um, our professional development that we have to be constantly updating and um yeah, so things like that. Mm. We've always got something that we can improve on or learn or get better at. So, yeah. And and, and I think and certainly coming from a health background, that's fairly uniform as well. And it is important because things evolve and philosophies change. So, um, you know, it's it's obviously on a from a philosophical point of view, it is really valuable to that as as much as mandatory PD or professional development mm. can feel like a bit of an arduous task, there is value in it. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, just to sort of continue on with the misconceptions, uh, so I've uh, so Sam's actually used to be my kids' teacher, which is why I know her, and um, and I, I know that the kids did their first school camp this year. Mm. Well, not school camp, but they did their first school sleepover. Now, yeah. again, just talking about the, the pay and misconceptions, you guys don't get paid for overnight stays no. either, do you? No, we don't. For things that are outside um the school hours it's so i've heard is supposed to you're supposed to get time in lieu but um i guess being part of a, the teaching profession it's you do it out of the goodness of your heart <laughs> and that's and that's tricky because that that kind of stuff doesn't necessarily exist in other industries i mean mm. if you think about um the law for example no yeah. lawyer would well no no that's a lie um there are so a lot of lawyers wouldn't yeah. would would charge every minute they could possibly because and because it's part of the culture people just expect it, it it's just standard that lawyers mm. will charge for every bit of work they do and if they do genuinely work it then they're entitled to it but in healthcare in yeah. education there's not that same expectation because i think um or at least in my opinion anyway these are um altruistic fields and yes, and I was the say that. yeah and so the expectation is that well if you if you have the love of it, then that should be enough for you. When and, and don't get me wrong, I think as as you're saying, you know, you love being a teacher, and mm. the love really has to be there to balance out yeah. the um the more arduous elements of a job. Because of course, no job is perfect, mm. but particularly something that can be quite uh, emotionally uh, engaged, both engaging and exhausting, as well as obviously yeah. in terms of time, it takes a lot. You, yeah, it's it's just, it's just funny what we expect of certain parts of our society, and but we don't apply the same standard to other people. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, and it's it's funny that you you say that because um, when I was at uni in our first year, we were um, there was a, a subject that we took all about where um, education originated and how um, it is philanthropic work originally, and so. Is it philanthropy? Is that even the right word? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. Um, so, yeah, I guess there's that social um, expectation that it's come from a – it has to be from out of goodwill. Wait, actually, one, I think philanthropic so. is – the no, opposite. I think it's the opposite. I think, opposite. I think it's like the one where you try to self-promote, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, not through philanthropic yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. where, you know, where you're doing it out of the goodness of your heart. So, yes. yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, are there any other misconceptions mm. about being We're a teacher? Hmm. I don't know. I think, as you're saying, it is an emotional um, – it's emotional – emotionally taxing job and I think that that comes with two parts as you said it's a beautiful part of the work 
because you're seeing, um, you know, children learning and growing, but it's also just, I like almost being a parent as well, that you're seeing them also struggle. Um, and you usually take those, um, problems home with you too. And it's knowing how to, to balance that as well. Um, I guess as a teacher, you're always thinking of the kids, um, and like even when you go to the shops and you see something in the in the window, oh, I know what that could. You know, you're always thinking, oh, what could I use that for? Or, um, oh, that would make a great lesson. Or, you know, so you're, I guess, constantly on in a way. Mm. Yeah. So in terms of career trajectory, what is the, is year level coordinator or even of course principal? Is that a mm. typical goal for teachers? Um. There's two, well, so I've been told, there's two, um, I guess, pathways that you can take at the moment. So um, you can, you know, you can be a classroom teacher, then you move up to like a coordinator. And then if you're interested, you can be a leading teacher. So a leading teacher is someone who um, who would help, uh, I guess, plan the curriculum, I guess, or... Uh, direct the whole school approaches that um, are used Um, and then you've got um, so you might have a leading teacher where they're teaching maths and they decide that the best way to teach um, maths would be to use this kind of approach Um, and then you've got another pathway where um, you might want to be an assistant principal and then move into um, being a principal so I guess it just depends on what you're really interested in um but I can definitely say being an assistant principal or being a a principal is a completely different job um not necessarily something that I would be looking into but um yeah I think I think you can go into teaching thinking that well one day I want to be a principal but um once you're teaching at school, you soon come to realise that even, you know, an early years teacher and a upper years teacher, they do completely different jobs as well. Um, it's funny that, you know, when I compare notes at, you know, um, at lunchtime in the staff room, I might be talking about my particular day. It's completely different to a grade six teacher, you know, and the kinds of conversations that we have with kids or the needs of the kids just were poles apart so yeah uh, in what way um just uh the the problems that come up the content that we teach the um just the level of engagement so um when you're an early years teacher you might always be on your feet and you have this constant need where the kids are always asking you or you know they need help with this or that and they want immediate feedback (laughs) which is just you know that's what they need at that time um and then you've got um you know where you've I guess you're more of a facilitator when you're in the upper years because you're going to teach them to find their own answers whereas you know in prep I can't tell the kid to type in google you know they're still (laughs) trying to find out where the letters are so yeah uh so you mentioned earlier about how um as the, the two divergent pathways mm. for for the career of a teacher, um, what is from your experience? What are the requirements like uh, to to either of those pathways? Um, so, I could have applied for a leading teaching role. I think you just need um, a few years' experience behind you, and um, I guess a passion for. Um, and an understanding of like what field like or what area that you might be focusing on um 
but I think a lot of it is experience and it's look this isn't my I don't know too much about how to become a principal I would just you have to become a teacher first um, but I would assume that you would have to have some business understanding so you need a master's um, in teaching um, to understand how that side of the of a school is run and so is that yeah. what you you were alluding to earlier how the the mm. role of an assistant principal is is radically different to absolutely. like the teacher. so it's more about the administration and the the business side of it yeah absolutely yep do you think yeah. it, it of course you need some teaching some experience within the industry mm. but do you think that or like that um, I guess arm of teaching still utilizes your your educational skills yeah I think so I think so I think it's in well I think it's important like I really appreciate my boss because she has the experience within the classroom and she has been a teacher so that when um, she has a vision for the school that she knows um, I guess she's been in our shoes before Um, she knows what it is like to be in the classroom but she also has um, an understanding of how a school needs to be run the finances the the you know maintenance and the building and um, what policies and procedures need to be put into place to have the school um, where it should be yeah I guess so uh, I guess the reason why I ask is because and I've mm-hmm. talked about this on the podcast with previous guests is that um, certainly in as a GP you know mm. you you reach the end of your training you become a GP but the there is a certain expectation that the next step is to own your own clinic and it is Uh, a completely different skill set like it really you you have to have some degree of understanding of medicine to a degree but really largely Mm. it's just business and marketing it's knowing your area knowing your demographics knowing how to promote yourself and I always kind of wonder whether other industries have this sort of um, unusual uh, career pivot where mm. it's not necessarily a, 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 not an escalation, but it's not really a progression of your existing skills, yeah. but it's more like you're adding in a secondary but unrelated skill into some, into, into what you already s- do. I can see that. Yeah, mm. I can see that. Um, I know a lot of assistant principals like to keep their like foot in the water. So they might be in the classroom a few days of the week. Um, and so I guess when it... When it comes to um, the, you know, annual implement, oh my gosh, (laughs) (laughs) implementation plan, tongue tied. Um, (laughs) So when the school's developing those goals, um, that they have better insight into it. But I think you're right. They do need a specific set of, um, they're brand new skills, aren't they? Mm. When it comes to running um, a school and it's, almost like running a business really yeah isn't it absolutely you don't want want to put the two and two together really business and education they don't sound right together do they but no they can clash to some degree (laughs) um but but yeah like the, the the skill i mean you know it's it's important to acknowledge that being able to manage a business is a skill. It, mm. it takes a lot of work and a lot of knowledge and understanding about um, how people interact and how systems work. I mean, that's that's a it's it is a a, a big undertaking to do. Um, but uh, again, I guess it, 
I guess I, I'm kind of curious about the idea of expectation. You know, is it an expectation that that mm. other careers, like at least as I feel in GP, that that is the natural next step? Whereas I guess mm. as you're saying, there are, you have options. You can stay within that yeah. hands-on in the classroom kind of experience with some year-level coordinating and other and leading teacher sort of roles, where it's more curriculum-based. Whereas, yeah, being a principal or, or equip or you know within that role is actually just a different set of skills entirely. Yeah. yeah. So, do you see yourself in this same job for the rest of your life? Mm. Well, it's a good question. <laughs> it's a really good question. I would love to say yes. I'd love to say yes. Um, but I feel like um, it would definitely, I would love to stay in teaching in some capacity, but not necessarily teaching in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that only because I feel like the work-life balance, it comes back to that. And if I want to have a family of my own, I'm not sure how I'll manage that and how effective I'll be in the home or the classroom, but mm-hmm. um, definitely teaching in in some capacity. So, you know, um, just through... Um, I guess, uh, you know, meeting different people, you know, I've found out that, you know, you can have jobs as um, like, you know, might be planning incursions and excursions or you might be working for a museum, developing an educational program or um, I'm interested in maybe somewhere down the track working in a hospital and maybe teaching um, kids. Um, and the kids that might like Royal Children's Hospital have... I think like two-year contracts where you might be working with kids in the burns unit. So, um, doing like, what exactly? That sounds so you interesting. Might, so, if a child might be in there, um, might be two weeks or it might be a year, um, and you're just teaching them like one-on-one tutoring. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, teaching in some capacity, I'm sure. Um, yeah. How do you discover these sorts of jobs? These these sort of yeah the the, the again the, the I guess the less less well known jobs. Mm, yeah. Well, I think I just happened to find out about. It's it's funny that you say that because at uni they don't really tell you about you know your options. Well, if you're a teacher, they just assume that you're either going to go into kinder or you're going to go into primary school. Yeah. Um, but just through my experience um, of having different people come in and visit um, as part of our prep program, I've been able to meet different people. So as transition coordinator, I work a lot with the kinders in our area. And one of the teachers that I work with, well, she happened to do that very thing where she worked with deaf um, students for the Royal Children's Hospital. And mm-hmm. so she was signing and she said she'd done that for a few years. And I was like, oh, wow, that's fantastic. Um, but we're also really lucky because um, our boss also encourages us to, you know, think outside the box. And when she finds out about jobs like this, um, she'll let the staff know and she'll say, hey, look, I'm not sure if you're interested, but there is a job going at this place. Um, check it out. I'm not sure if it's for you, but if you want to, she's all, um, she's very encouraging of us to, um, to, you know, progress with our um, 
our careers as well. I mean, that's mm. that, that's also really interesting. There, there seem to be a lot of parallels between uh, you know my job and yours because I had the mm. same experience. You know, um, you you go through med school and you 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 pick a specialty. So you sort of have three arms. You have physicians, so that's like med- medical non-intervention stuff, surgical, and then other, which is essentially oh, yeah. GP, radiology, so that's uh, X-rays, mm-hmm. and pathology, which is you know blood tests. Yeah. Um, but it's all it's all very um, well demarcated. Everyone's the expectations. Mm. You just reach the end of your training and you become a consultant or you work privately or whatever it may be. Um, But I know that certainly in the last maybe two or three years, I've discovered a lot of job opportunities that are, as you said, coincidental. It's not Mm. that there is a a central resource where people will say, hey, you know, here's what you can do with your degree that isn't just the traditional stuff. Um, You know, so so I work with people with intellectual disabilities and and as part of that, there's some education in there and there's there's clinical work and um, there's a little bit of marketing a little bit of uh, advocacy Mm. and it's, it's a nice little variety, but I never would have found it had by looking like in looking at all the traditional classified mm. your Sikhs and and, and yeah. whatever yep. or through the through the GP college it, it just it's still this I guess uh, how in your opinion is there a mm. way is, is there do you think it's important that people be able to discover these I guess less than typical jobs absolutely I um well, it's funny because when I was at uni, there was a girl in our last year and she'd got a job with RSPCA as a teacher oh. in their educa- through their education program. Um, and, yeah, and only this year I was thinking, oh, hang on, I could, if I wanted to, I could, well, <laughs> I looked into uh, working um, with the police academy. So we have police officers who come in and educate our kids about what their job is. Um and in doing so, I found out you have to become a police officer. Oh, right. So, okay, there was a bit of commitment there. Um, <laughs> and then you're supposed to do, you know, you do your rounds for, I'm not sure if it's one or two years, and then you can select. And I was like, but I just want to go into education. I know what I want. <laughs> um, but the sergeant, she was not convinced. She was like, no, you've, you've got to do it all, same as everyone else. Yeah. Um, but had I known that, it just... The, I guess knowledge is power. So if if I was told earlier on, maybe when I was in high school about the options of, that I had, um, you'd be able to make more informed decisions, wouldn't you? Mm. You know, I think, I shouldn't say, but I, I felt as though my, um, my, how do I say this? The career's um, advisor at school um he was he did a minimal job um and you know i guess for me it was all about we were told to look through your vtac guide and that's how you find out and that's how you choose your profession and sadly that and you know you've got work experience but i don't really think that that's enough for someone to pick their career i think you know a lot of the time you find out that teachers become teachers and then their parents are teachers and then they're why because they have I don't know. They know about the experiences through the people that they know. I guess you know because they, you know them. Yeah, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder where what my choice would have been if had I known about other things. Yeah. I guess. I guess on that sort of uh, deviating slightly away from teaching. If if you well, <laughs> Would you ever want a different career if you if talent wasn't an issue? Like if you could just mm. choose a, a different path now, would you want something to do something different? Um, 
I would like my uh, in my alternative life. Yeah. <laughs> I think you know I love renovating, mm. and I when I was growing up, helping my dad, you know, knock down a wall and plaster and put it back up, and you know, or you know. Uh, building something so if I could renovate houses and money wasn't an issue I was just doing it for fun I think that would be that'd be awesome mm. yeah yeah I think I, I, or, I or be a florist one of the two. Oh yeah okay um, so design yeah. design elements yeah because yeah. I think I, I I always had the same aspirations and maybe maybe because our upbringings were very similar in mm. that um, it was always made clear to us that our, that you know, our options had to be limited. Um, there were only allowed a certain number of choices. It's all about risk. Yes. It's all about risk. And I feel like, you know, um, I was discouraged. Like I, I, I was pretty athletic when I was at school, mm-hmm. like to think so. And I'm not bad with the yards, um, <laughs> but I was definitely discouraged from them. Yeah. And I feel like that, and that was because it wasn't a safe option. Um yeah, and yeah, I, I I will certainly acknowledge that that's that's probably the thinking from my parents as well because they were both refugees from the Vietnam War. So I think yeah. there was certainly the belief that you know um, you want because because they'd experienced loss to that to that greater degree because they they stayed in in Saigon after the fall and mm. it was it was quite hard on them. Yeah. So the the idea that um, someone would choose to live a meager life or, yep. or, or risk living a meager life, I think yep. was, was yeah, quite quite frightening for them. Yeah. Um, so to some degree, I do understand and respect that. Uh, but I guess, you know, and, and obviously the, this is the beauty of hindsight. We can now look back and say, well, actually we ended up okay and, and yep. it, it wasn't, people can live a happy but meager life. But yes, if, you know, your kids, you're not allowed to make your own decisions. <laughs> Um, but I always, I always wanted to be a writer. That was my thing, um, yeah. and that's that's to some degree what I'm going to try and pursue now. But interior design, actually, I have to say, I, I really oh. enjoy decorating my house. I like thinking about. We could about, team up here. Yeah, you can, you can do all the construction, <laughs> and I can do all the interior stuff. I, I love a I love a good yeah. paint wall. If I go to Bunnings, I just like the the, the oh, rainbow the wall. And yeah. Stuff. yeah, yeah. There we go. That that'll be our new venture when we're both sick of being yeah, being in our current work. We'll just we'll chuck it all away. You're just renovating. I'll do interior design. We'll make a great team. Oh, I actually looked into interior design. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like like so, recently. Like no, no, no. Here? When I uh, after my first year of um, you know at RMIT doing Japanese, I thought of being an interior designer. It's funny that you say that. And I even went to. Okay, this is funny. I I did I, I sat the interviews. I I sat the exam. Oh my I, god! I did the exam and they um they give you this piece of paper and it describes a room. And so you know you get your ruler and you you draw up and you measure what you see. And I passed and I passed and I passed. I got to the, like the final stage, and the lady like the panel of four. She says to me, "Oh, so can I see your portfolio?" And I was like, "What?" I don't <laughs> And she she took me aside and she said to me, look, if you go back to, you go to TAFE for a year and you work in a portfolio, then we can, um, you know, take you on. Mm-hmm. Um, but she said to me, look, it wouldn't be fair if we take you on and we don't take on them because they've been working on it for like two years. I was like, fair enough. Mm. But yeah, yeah, interior design would be fantastic. It, I, I find that, so so I'm, I'm looking into like TV screenwriting at the moment mm. and I do find that it can be a little bit, um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? It's almost like you have to be pre-successful. Like you can't, mm. you can't just kind of go, I love yes. it. I'm going to do it. It's more like you had to have already worked pretty damn hard to get into it. And yeah. then you're allowed to start learning it, which, which I, I find, I, I mean, I, to some yeah. degree I get it, but I also find that quite restrictive because again, yes. you know, I'm, I'm 34 and yeah. I'm only just realizing it now. And all the all the programs, all the competitions, mm-hmm. all the things is geared towards people who, when they were 14, had mm-hmm. already decided, yeah, I want to be a writer. I'm going to yeah. go do internships. I'm going to, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to do, do writing, do competitions and I'm going to yeah. publish work. Like all these things that you had to already have done enough in order to start from the beginning, which I find odd. It, Yeah. I think so too. And it's like, um, I remember my mum when she decided, you know, teaching wasn't for her. She's come to Australia. She'll try to be an accountant. And she finished her teaching. And then when she tried to apply for jobs, they would say to her, well, what experience have you got? And she's like, this is my first job interview or you know, this is my going to be my first job. So she can't get a job because she hasn't got the experience. But yeah. How do you get the experience? How do you get the experience without giving someone a go? Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I think I think I have a very um, a very linear mindset. I've, and mm. again, maybe maybe medicine just bred that into me. But I always kind of figure there 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 you know there should be one clear path. Not everyone, but there should mm. be at least like a default path. And if you happen to stray from that, great. But if you don't, it's not necessarily the end of the world. I, I just. Uh, yeah, whereas it's it, again within the creative arts interior, any any sort of design art, it this so it's almost. It's not, I want to say random, but yes. it's almost random as yeah. to how, how you get accepted. Or again, there's, there's these sort of, uh, this arbitrary ex- expectation that your passion needed to be so mm-hmm. overwhelming that your, your entire life was dedicated to it. And again, I get, I get that passion is important. You know, you know, you say that about teaching. I certainly agree with that in medicine. You mm-hmm. have to love it. But what if you change your mind? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. or what if you're not just one thing? Like you're not just yes. a teacher. I'm not just a doctor. What yeah. if you have multiple passions, but you just chose one? Does that mean that you're not allowed to chase the other passion anymore? Mm. I, I just want to... It's, I, I, it's I, oh. perception, isn't it? Mm. I was um, listening to a podcast um, yesterday called Hidden, Hidden Brain. Mm. And they were talking about, um, about people's perceptions of different job careers and how you you know they were looking at um successes and also like why do people um become what they are and so they were looking at (laughs) uh they were talking about people who were born in the year of the dragon Mm -hmm. in china and they were talking about how um parents um i guess you know, expectations of them would, oh, well, you're definitely born in the year of the dragon. You're going to be successful. You're going to be a doctor. You're going to go to university. And it's funny how people live up to those expectations. And then on the flip side, then you've got um, sports people who start from the age of three and they start playing tennis mm-hmm. and because their parents believed in them too. And it's funny because like you're saying, you may not want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> that might not want to be your, that's not your choice. Or you might just want a change in life mm. or you have a new interest because people have new interests every day. Absolutely. Yeah. Or, uh, and one, the thing that I certainly discovered for myself is that sometimes you're good at something, mm-hmm. but you're not necessarily liking it. Like, yeah. You, yeah. yeah. 
And yep. and so, but when 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 the people like when your parents are mm. focused on the things that you're good at because they want to see they equate success with security and therefore mm-hmm. happiness, it some sometimes they don't see that they don't the two things don't necessarily line up. That yeah, being yeah. good at something and liking something can be two radically different things. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of like um, <laughs> when teachers uh, think they can uh, make kids be friends. When <laughs> It's funny because, you know, as parents, you want your children to branch out and make new friends, right? Yep. But sometimes the children don't want that. They're quite comfortable <laughs> with the relationships that they've got. Yeah. Um, and as a teacher, I've been guilty of it too. I've, I've looked at kids and thought, well, you know, you're really interested in this and you're great at that. And this child's interested in this and they're great at that. So they'd make great friends. And it's funny because you do everything, you sit them together and you put them in the same groups and you know what? They know better. <laughs> they all, just because they have the same interests doesn't mean that they're going to like it. They like each other for different reasons. Like I think it's kind of like your job just because you're good at it doesn't mean you're going to love it. Yeah. Vice versa. You could be great at it and that's why you love it. Yes. So, yeah, that's funny. Uh, um, is there is there anything about teaching? I mean, we, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but is there anything mm-hmm. else in teaching that if you could have known it before you started, is there anything else you would have wanted to have known when you were a student? Mm. The workload. Yeah. <laughs> the workload would be um, one of them, definitely. I'm surprised um, they don't teach you that because that's such... Well, yeah. I, well admittedly, you know, my, my husband is an ex-teacher. Well no, <laughs> well, no, my husband is an ex-teacher and he hasn't worked in the field for... Mm. How old are my kids? Eight years. Yeah. Um, and even he was talking about that. So that was yeah. eight years ago. So it's, it must be common knowledge. I wonder why yeah. they don't tell you this. Maybe, maybe, they, maybe they didn't ask enough questions. <laughs> or maybe the teachers I work with would look too obliviously happy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, oh, look. There's definitely more positives than negatives. Mm. I don't know. Like, I... Hmm, I don't know. That's a really good question. Because would I have been a teacher if I had my life again? Yeah, I would. Mm. Even if I change, like, you know, down the track and I end up doing something else, I think I would... I'd, yeah, 100% I'd be a teacher again. So, yeah, I don't think there would be anything that would have changed my mind back mm. then. Yeah. Did you ever um, contemplate uh, the the difference, like, um, like private school? Like obviously mm, teaching in private yeah. school? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I have thought about it. Um, and, you know, teaching at a, a Catholic school or just to try something different. Um yeah, I think that I went to a public, like I'm teaching at this school because I felt that my teaching philosophy and the school's teaching philosophy um, marry pretty well. I like structure and the mm. school that I teach at does that too. Mm. Um, and the the principal has a good, um, has really great vision when it comes to, you know, the teaching approaches that we use. Um, but I definitely won't say no to teaching at a private school. Um, I think it's more, look, when I've been to different schools, um, I think it's more about what the principal has in mind. Mm. Yeah. I mean, from, from your knowledge, whether it's from mm. knowing other people, do you, do you know what the distinction is between being a private school teacher or well, primary primary school teacher and a public primary school teacher? It'd be interesting to compare notes, wouldn't it? Mm. Yeah, because most of my um, friends are from 
public schools right. too. Yeah. And because I did early childhood, a lot of my friends are kinder teachers as well. Uh, so we compare those notes too. Um, but yeah, I don't know too much about it really. Other well, than like, I know they've got their own curriculum and yeah, maybe they've got more flexibility there. Okay. Well, may- maybe that'll be yeah. my next task. I'll have to try and headhunt yeah. a, a private primary school teacher and they can, they can compare notes. You have to notes. let me know. Fill me in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, all right. Is for any budding uh, mm-hmm. teachers or primary school teachers out there, yeah. do you have any words of wisdom? Um, oh, look, I would encourage anyone who'd like to be a teacher to um, to go and volunteer and do the same thing that I did um, because, you know, teaching is a fantastic job to, to do, but it's got to be, you've got to be the right fit for the, for the job. Mm. And I think that if you're going to, um, yeah, if, if you think that teaching's for you, just, you know, just make sure that that's the right place for you too because it is a really... Um, it's a beautiful opportunity to be working with children, you know, and that um, you need the right kind of person who can appreciate and respect the the responsibility there, um, but who also, um, I don't know, who also has the resilience for it as well. Yeah. <laughs> someone who, um, you know, someone who loves to learn themselves so they can impart that too. Um, but yeah, give it a go. So many schools are, um, open to having volunteers in and they love having an extra hand in the classroom, but you can, it's a great way of putting your feet in the water and figuring out like even just down to is early childhood for you or is, um, do you like the middle age group or do you want to go teach, you know, year seven or eight, because they are different types of, um, teaching jobs too. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thanks for coming on to the show, Sam. I really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, you were, you were great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so uh, thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, if you'd like to know more uh, or get more information, feel free to follow, get on our website, nosmalljobspod.com.au. Um, post up any questions that you got on the website or even on our Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, anytime you have any, uh, you want to dive in a bit deeper, certainly ask. I can't promise I'll get answers, but I can try. Uh, if, if Sam wants to be more enlightening Absolutely. outside of the podcast. Um, and uh, and yeah, I hope this has been enlightening. It's certainly been enlightening for me. So tune in next time. We've got plenty more episodes to come with a lot more uh, variety of careers. And remember, there are no small jobs, only jobs you haven't discovered yet.